0: Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church podcast. What is it? Explaining the gist of good preaching, as read by the author Jason Cherry. It's hard to swiftly and accurately explain what makes for good preaching. So for now, it's enough to say a few brief things about it that will push Christians towards an obedient intolerance of the contemporary transdenominational preaching that Christians endure today. So here are four ways of explaining the gist of good God-honoring preaching. First, when preaching to the choir. When preaching to the people of God, the preacher ought to give more insight into what God's people already know. This requires depth and precision. The only person in the church required to be more precise than the choir is the one who instructs the choir. The only person in the church required to be more spiritually, morally, and theologically mature than the deacons is the person who instructs the deacons. This requires the preacher to creatively state old ideas. It also requires the preacher to teach all that Jesus commanded. Beware of the so-called, quote-unquote, gospel-centered preacher who says that preaching all that Jesus commanded is crabbed legalistic tyranny from the black pages of Satan's diary. Second, when preaching to the guy who checks his phone every eight seconds, Jesus told parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's from Mark chapter 4 verse 12. Notice the words, not. Jesus told parables so that they would not perceive, so that they would not understand. And so, Jesus told parables to hinder perception, to hinder understanding. He had his inscrutable reasons. Modern preachers must be careful of what they imitate. And when they're sporting skinny jeans, they need to be extra careful of every utterance. Illustrations aren't the problem. John Stott says, quote, "Illustrations transform the abstract into the concrete, the ancient into the present, the unfamiliar into the familiar, the general into the particular, the vague into the precise, the unreal into the real, and the invisible into the visible." End quote. The problem is that modern preacher stories rarely illustrate. When the apostles wish to illustrate, they use short metaphors and examples. Not long stories. The guy in the pew who checks his phone every eight seconds needs something that has the power to snap him out of the haze of virtual reality. He needs to hear a contrarian to the main movement of the secular age. He needs the word of God preached skillfully, as Acts 14.1 mentions. This is the ordinary way God works. When the text is passionate, Mr. Phone Addict needs the words of the preacher to be passionate. When the text is grave, He needs the words of the preacher to be grave. When the text is hopeful, he needs the preacher to be hopeful. He doesn't need another story about the preacher's kids any more than he needs another reference to the preacher's favorite Hollywood movie. Third, when preaching to the religious know-it-all. Does the sermon have integrity to the scriptures? Is the sermon content derived from the announced text of scripture? Did the sermon content give a faithful representation of the passage preached? Was it the right doctrine from the right passage? One of the newfangled ways to evaluate a sermon is to ask, Does it have gospel hope? No doubt this sounds good. I mean, who opposes gospel hope? But when the text of Scripture is set aside in order to give hope, the result is that the spirit of the gospel is preached rather than the gospel itself. The person who has rejected Christ must leave feeling hopeless. The unrepentant Pharisee must walk away from the sermon uncomfortable. He must listen to how Paul ended his first letter to the Corinthians. Quote, if anyone has no love for the truth, let him be accursed. Our Lord come, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. End quote. Gospel hope is faithful when it an- is announced from Scripture. But take heed, the gospel preached from Scripture is filled with the very sort of warnings the humbug pretender needs. When talking to Pharisees, Jesus was not what might be described as tactful. Fourth, when preaching to the rebel, if a man sitting in the back row is in outright rebellion against his Creator, the central task of the preacher is to give offense. This means preaching towards the conviction of sin. This is why the flighty sermon that prioritizes humor always fails. A sermon should be serious, not in that the preacher takes himself too seriously, but in that he shows the weight and gravity of the truth of the living God. When people leave Sunday services, they commence their critique of the preacher. When they do so, they shouldn't say, what an authentic and humble man the preacher is. Rather, they should be able to say, that preacher had authority, not as the scribes. Robert Farrar Capon said, it's better for a preacher to be charged with arrogance rather than being a doormat. And that is why a sermon should have a bare minimum of personal references. Such references may pretend of authenticity. In truth, they have marginalized the sense of the sacred. If you're interested in following us, visit our website at www.trinityreformedkirk.com That's trinityreformedkirk.com